0: We're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about new sustainability rules that could help us cut space debris, why you shouldn't blow your nose when you have a cold, and why you unconsciously copy other people's
0: mannerisms. Let's unconsciously copy some curiosity.
1: We've covered the problems with space junk on this show before. And today, we've got some good news. New rules about sustainability in space could help us cut space debris. As reported by Universe Today, there are 20,000 objects orbiting Earth that are larger than 4 inches, or 10 centimeters. Out of all of those objects, only about 10% of them are operational satellites. That means there are 18,000 pieces of junk out there. And it's not just regular junk. It's very dangerous junk. Even if you've got something the size of a cell phone flying around, it can do a ton of damage if it's traveling at thousands of miles an hour. It's bad news if something crashes into one of those 2,000 satellites up in orbit, since they help us with things like navigation, weather forecasting, hurricane tracking, communications, and climate science. Fortunately, the space junk problem is being addressed by a new initiative led by the World Economic Forum Global Future Council on Space Technologies. The council is spearheading a project to come up with what they call the Space Sustainability Rating System, or SSR. It's basically a set of voluntary guidelines to help nations that are developing and launching satellites. Some countries already have laws in place to govern companies operating on their soil, but the SSR is being set up as a global initiative. It's being worked on by a pretty diverse team, including members from the Space-Enabled Research Group at the MIT Media Lab and members from the European Space Agency. A big part of their focus right now is to come up with guidelines for what happens after a satellite stops functioning. For example... Hopefully, the SSR can come up with a way to help satellite operators set the altitude and the lifespan of a satellite so it doesn't just stay up in space forever. The group has just started working on the problem, but the clock is ticking. According to a press release from the team working on this, there are a lot of countries working on new space programs, so it's important to have the SSR in place as soon as possible. Still, it's good knowing that someone has taken the first step towards sustainability in space. After all, we've got a lot of universe to explore— can't have our dirty laundry getting in the way.
0: Blowing your nose is a great cure for the sniffles, but when you have a cold, it turns out that blowing your nose is actually a bad idea. In fact, blowing your nose the wrong way could be a bad thing anytime. So let's get into some nose-blowing safety tips. Yeah, that's a phrase I never thought I'd say.
1: We're all about safety here.
0: <laughs> I sure are. According to at least one allergist, blowing your nose with too much force can actually cause breakage of blood vessels and undue stress. It can also force bacteria and other bad stuff back up into your sinuses, which could increase your risk of infection. Mucus isn't even the real reason your nose feels stuffy. The stuffy sensation is a signal that the blood vessels in your nose are swollen. You do produce more mucus when you're sick, but only a little more. And even if you blow some of it out on occasion, your body just replenishes the disgusting supply. Even on a normal, healthy day, your body makes enough mucus to fill a 20-ounce bottle.
1: Gross.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, you're not going to win that battle. Anyway, the real problem is the underlying sickness you have. Typically, the common cold, sinusitis, or hay fever. Mucus is a sideshow, and trying to blow it all out can cause more problems than it solves. So what should you do? Well, blowing your nose isn't forbidden. It may not be super helpful in the long term, but it can give you a brief respite from your symptoms. Just make sure to do it properly. That's according to Dr. Anil Kumar Lalani, the chairman of the Department of Otolaryngology at the New York University Langone Medical Center. He told the New York Times that you shouldn't blow too forcefully and that you should actually blow your nostrils one at a time. Blowing too hard has actually caused some real problems. In rare but documented cases, overenthusiastic nose blowing has even led to eye socket injuries, esophagus ruptures, and other medical issues. But with a safe nose blowing technique and some decongestants, you should stay decently comfortable through your nasal troubles.
1: I think I just got the name of my memoir, overenthusiastic nose blowing. <laughs> the Ashley Hamer story. Wow.
0: <laughs> com. <.tumblr.com. laughs>
1: Today's episode is sponsored by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators. They offer more than 25,000 classes in design, business, and more to help you find new ways to fuel your curiosity, creativity, and career.
0: I've been trying to fuel my curiosity career with a course on public relations. It's called Modern PR, How to Get Press Coverage for Your Business. And it's taught by the CEO of a company that's provided marketing training to thousands of professionals and Fortune 500 companies. It's just one of a bunch of marketing and PR courses I'm taking in the hopes that you'll start to see Curiosity Daily on those lists of podcast recommendations you see journalists posting literally all the time.
1: We can only hope. All of Skillshare's classes are taught by real experts in their field or public motivational speakers. And today you can join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare with a special offer just for Curiosity Daily listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free.
0: That's right. Skillshare is offering Curiosity Daily listeners two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com curiosity. Again, go to Skillshare.com curiosity to start your two months now.
1: One more time, that's Skillshare.com curiosity. Research suggests that in social situations, we tend to unconsciously imitate the people around us. And today, we'll get into some reasons why it might actually be a good thing if you find yourself doing this a lot. Your tendency to copy other people's mannerisms is what researchers call the chameleon effect. In 1999, researchers from New York University detailed three experiments that roughly mapped out how this works. One experiment had participants work with a partner on a task where they took turns describing photos. They were all paired with actors, although they didn't know that at the time. And when the actor would smile or jiggle his foot or rub his face, the partner tended to follow suit. In exit interviews, though, most participants said they hadn't even noticed their partner's mannerisms, so it seemed to be an unconscious tendency. In the second experiment, participants were paired with actors once again, but this time the actors either mimicked their partner's behaviors or they adopted neutral mannerisms. Participants whose partners had mimicked them were significantly more likely to say they liked their partners and that the interaction had gone smoothly. And in the third experiment, researchers measured people's empathy using something called Davis's Interpersonal Reactivity Index, which tests how likely you are to spontaneously try on another person's perspective. Basically, how empathetic you are. They found that the more empathetic someone was, the more likely they were to mimic their partner's mannerisms. The team said that this made sense because empathetic people pay more attention to the people around them and have an overall greater perception of those people. Now, as for why the chameleon effect exists, researchers argue the mechanism behind all of this is a thing called the perception-behavior link. That's the phenomenon where you're more likely to do something just because you see someone else doing it. This link is well-documented when it comes to micro-level behaviors you can imitate unconsciously, like gestures, postures, speech patterns, and moods. In other words, it's not just yawning that's contagious. It's pretty much every move we make in front of another person. Mimicry seems to work like social glue, helping pairs to bond and promoting group cohesion. And as the researchers behind this study pointed out, it seems to help us bond even when we're not trying to. So the next time you find yourself mirroring someone's gestures or mimicking someone's accent, don't be embarrassed. Just remind yourself that it means you're an empathetic human being. Cody, do you do this?
0: Yes. I noticed it during podcast interviews, if a guest has a verbal tick... I will adopt that verbal tick. Actually, so will you.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: If somebody says, you know a lot, then in that interview, you and I will say, you know more.
1: And you edit these things. So you probably notice that all the time. Yep. Wow. It's a thing. I didn't even realize that. Do you? I mean, yeah. I think I notice it, especially when I'm hanging out with jazz musicians. Like, I know there are a lot of silly stereotypes about jazz musicians, like, Calling people cats and saying things like dig. And those are real.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I do them in certain situations. Awesome. (laughs) Read about today's stories and more on curiosity.com.
1: Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.